0: This is Haas. And this is Samson. With Franks and Deans. In Las Vegas,
1: Nevada. And unless, unless we, we feel, feel like screaming at, at the, radio, the radio, we, we never listen, listen to I, I Doubt It with Dallamore. Do- Guy's such an asshole.
2: Yeah, but she's kind of hot, though. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. This listener-produced, listener-supported version of the show. (laughs) Episode 344 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dallimore. And sitting across from me, the education maven. The tech maven. Oh. Brittany Page.
3: The tech maven. We all know that's not true.
2: Well, you've spent a considerable amount of time trying to teach someone who is not tech savvy yeah, about how to use an iPhone lately. Yes. And it was just a... Uh... iPhone is such a design-heavy item that it should be intuitive. It should be... Because they, it's been thousands of hours in the making yeah. creating a phone that really is easy to use.
3: Well, imagine being someone who has never used a smartphone never used a smartphone.
2: They're they're a flip phone person.
3: Yes, and you're not on Facebook, you're not on Twitter, you're not on Instagram, you're not on any of the social networking websites.
2: Is this like an old prospector?
3: <laughs> no. Ah,
2: what's this?
3: This is my godfather, <laughs> and if he happens to listen to this, it's all in good fun. I love you. You're just having a hard time, okay? So Does I, that
2: need to be said?
3: It doesn't need to be said. He understands. So <laughs> I was teaching him how to add his email to his his iPhone. Because okay, he just I, got an iPhone.
2: I could see how that could be, because that's deep in in the menus. Yeah, you got to go to settings and then yeah, I email. I and guess. then it's pretty yeah, easy. <laughs> it's
3: not it's pretty easy. So I, I I was walking him through it, and then he would hit the home button. And he would say, "Oh, I hit this white button, and now everything's gone, and I'm back on the the app screen."
4: Did
2: you fuck with him at all? Like, oh my god, you ruined everything! <laughs> yeah, no, you I, have to get a new phone now.
3: I, I well, he w- he <laughs> sounded panicked, and I said, "No, it's it's okay. That happens. All you have to do is double click, and then you can roll the screen and sele- And then that was yeah, too yeah. much too. It, he was like, "I can't get it back. I can't get it back." It was a lot. And then he would start typing with the keyboard. And then you know, when you don't need the keyboard anymore, it goes away. If you if you don't need to be typing, the keyboard is not on the screen. Right. You right. don't need to put it down. It just goes away. And so he was done typing and then he said, <gasps> the keyboard went away. <laughs> and I said, Yeah, it, it goes away when you, you don't need it. Yeah. It knows when you need it yeah. and it will appear. And otherwise it's okay, you know. But everything was dramatic and oh what is this i don't know
2: it it's i don't have patience for that kind of shit
3: well i do and i i helped him (laughs) with twitter a little bit as well
2: wow and just explaining twitter to someone who's not a social media person can be kind of a A rough endeavor.
3: Yeah, it's a whole new language.
2: Yeah, for sure. The
3: tweets and the retweets. Well, you
2: taught me. I started Twitter like Valentine's Day 2009. Oh. I think think it was the day.
3: A little romantic (laughs) date of remembering when you signed up for Twitter. Well, I just
2: remember when I downloaded all my tweets Mm -hmm. before deleting thousands of them. Uh Uh-oh. Um... I was surprised that that was the first day. Yeah. Back in that day. Anyway, I had no... I I thought you were wrong when you were explaining it to me because you were saying, if you just write the person's tweet, their name, their Twitter name, no one's going to see that. That's only going to go to them unless the person actually goes to your profile and sees what you've tweeted.
3: Or unless people follow the person that you were mentioning first in your tweet.
2: So you have to put the period in front of their name.
3: Yeah. Well, that used to be the case. Now things have changed.
2: I was even kind of in that boat where it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Now I consider myself uh, uh, an expert. Oh. At the old
3: Twitter machine. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take very long, but I think these things are difficult when you have only used the internet for reading the news and checking your email. And porn. And porn. And yes. <laughs> and you've never used a smartphone. So it's a whole new world. What do you
2: think the percentage of the world out there is that uh, has never used the internet to view pornography?
3: Um, I. What do you think? I, I can't even guess. I, you think
2: 2%? Maybe 2%? It's
3: higher than that, for sure. Really? That have never used the internet to view porn. Are we thinking globally? Are we talking about the United ah, States? I was what thinking we-
2: globally, but let's just think about the United States. Okay. All right. I'm. Tr- I won't ask you whether you've viewed pornography on the internet because I'm sure you're one of the, the <laughs> one tenth of one percent that has not. I
3: one tenth of one percent. I have
2: seen a porn video on the YouTube oh. on, on the on the internet one time.
3: Mm. <laughs> one time. Yeah.
2: Well, Ted Cruz oh, he yeah, favorited yeah, yeah, it, yeah, so yeah. I went and looked at it.
3: Yeah. Well, favorites don't equal endorsement. That's right, so, according
2: yeah. to Donald Trump. Yeah. So, I just. I don't know how we got here. We I brought you, up you porn. You have something
3: in your heart. I,
2: I brought up porn and then all of a sudden we're we're we're, we're hip deep in it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> in what?
2: I don't know, but
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a little
2: sticky in here, so. All right. Anyway, I've got I've got a friend who will remain nameless. Oh. Who is roughly my age, slightly older, but you know, we went to high school together. Uh-huh. And uh I often refer to him as the 80-year-old man because
3: he's never looked at porn on the internet
2: oh i doubt it he's very chaste (laughs) uh no i call him that because he used to be very tech savvy and something switched where he's like i can't get this to work all the time (laughs) and i don't know if it's just he has super bad luck with technology Mm -hmm. like he got a chromecast yeah and then Apparently, he bought the one TV out of the billions of TVs that are sold that it didn't work with. Mm -hmm. So, always in the back of my mind, it was like, no, you can't get it to work. Your TV's fine. The Chromecast is fine. Yeah. There's always little things like that that I always... I judge him. I'm a judger.
3: Yeah. Well... You're kind and of you're, a, not. you're kind of a dick in that way.
2: <laughs> I am kind of a dick.
3: And I well no I'm for sure a judge. Come on, please. Um, <laughs> but I I'm patient because I know how hard it is cuz I even get frustrated We're we talking about porn again? <laughs> I get frustrated even <laughs> when like Facebook has an update to the app and then I can't find where anything was or is because yeah, everything's a little changed.
2: Crazy though. Facebook on the iPhone like every other day, there's a new version with completely different UI.
3: Yeah, and then there was at one point I couldn't react to things, and everyone else was able to do it, and I felt like left out. <laughs> well, because you,
2: well for uh, for months you had a different version of Facebook on your iPhone than they were allowing. Yeah, me. so
3: I don't know. There, I just there have been certain experiences I've had where I feel more compassionate for people who are a little bit. Slow on the uptake to learn about technology. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's sad for them. <laughs> I feel real bad. Mm. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about the last episode. First, I want to I want to thank everybody who took the time to reach out and in both um, encouragement and commiseration with us. It was a rough episode i didn't re-listen to it that rarely rarely happens but it was hard for both Brittany and i to to do it not, not i'm not looking for sympathy here i'm not fishing for compliments about whether the episode was good or bad or whatever but uh i really appreciate you know that we do this show for that reason to to go through things together as host and audience and Brittany and I very much appreciate you guys reaching out both in voicemail and voice memo and email and messages and tweets. Um, you guys mean the world to us, and together we're doing something special, and we, we love you guys. So I guess let's just – I'm going to play two voicemails, one Vegas-related, one not, and we've got a couple emails to read, and then we're going to do some follow-up on the Vegas thing, what's going on mainly kind of uh, reactions. Some people have been not acting properly, and we didn't get to it last time because the ev- the episode kind of went off the rails. So anyway, let's start with a voicemail about Puerto Rico.
4: Um, hi, Mr. Delamore. Uh, my name is Delilah Rutledge, and I do consent to having my voice uh, heard on the line. First, I want to thank you for a platform uh, for us, to be heard and us I mean us um all of us all of us that are in pain other all of us that are on the other side all of us who are hurt I am Puerto Rican I'm also African American well if you know your history you know that's all in the same but that's not why I'm on the, on on this line. I'm just um weeping for my people who are on the island and ashamed that that man that man I have to just call him that man. I can't even give him a name. That man. That man, we have to get him out of office and he's a poor 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 excuse of representation and the governor of Puerto Rico, you have no spine, and thank you, Mayor, for showing us a way and your spine. Thank you, Mayor. My prayers to Nevada and the hope. So we all Oh my goodness. I just I, I just love it. Okay, bye.
2: Thank you for the voicemail, Delilah. These are tough times. There's a lot going on that has really heightened the emotions of uh a lot of people. And I I feel I feel how emotionally impacted you are by everything that's happening right now. And I, I, I'm glad that we can be some kind of a platform for people to to get whatever off their chest that they have. There is some interesting points in there, though. I, I, I don't know much about this governor of Puerto Rico, and we'll get to some of this Puerto Rico stuff in dollar because Donald Trump has continued to be president and thus there are problems. But, uh... I don't know what to make of this guy. I don't know if he's taking one for the team and going along to get along to help the people of Puerto Rico. And if that's the case, I think that's good. But I kind of agree with Delilah that he's, he's just a Donald Trump patsy at this point. He's not, he's not taking care of business. He's sucking up to the president. You don't have to do that to get aid, to have disaster relief, which is the responsibility of the Federal Emergency Management Administration,
1: mm-hmm.
2: FEMA, that's what they do. I wouldn't be surprised if the mayor of San Juan, this woman who Donald Trump has attacked so viciously, if she ends up running for governor and wins in a in a ha- handy little landslide, mm-hmm. because she is the opposition. She is standing up for her cit- her citizens, her constituents, doing the right thing taking on the president of the United States when she's just the mayor of a city. Yeah. So pretty honorable. I appreciate that. All right, let's move on to one voicemail that we're going to play relative to a conversation Brittany and I had about this good guy with the gun talk. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. Ben from Los
5: Angeles here. I just wanted to call in and comment on the good guy with a gun argument you guys brought up last episode. Um, besides the counter-argument Brittany came up with of you're not Jason Bourne and you're not Rambo and things like that.
3: It's a great one. Uh,
5: one thing that I like to think about and when it comes to that argument is what research tells us. Um, I've been doing research on law enforcement officers and how they're affected by stress for the past two years. And one of the things that is often discussed is how does stress affect police officers performance of their job um, and what it tells us is overwhelming research has shown that during high stress situations police officers not only experience a reduction in judgment ability and decision-making but also a reduction in their job performance and one of the things that stands out about that is the research tells us there are significant reductions in their shooting accuracy um, I think this is just interesting because it baffles me that people think that in a high-stress situation, they can do as good or better than people who are trained for these situations, and despite that training, they still show a reduction in performance when the shit really hits the fan. It's like, if these guys are affected by the chaos, what makes this good guy with a gun think that they'll rise above? Again, not Jason Bourne. Hashtag science. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Love the show. Keep it up. Bye. No better
2: hashtag than hashtag science, (laughs) Brittany.
3: (laughs) I like how that was uh, halfway bye. Like you could tell it was getting ready to be a prolonged (laughs) bye, but it was was cut short. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it sounded like. I felt like that was a little bit of a dig on my part. I like the arguments that Brittany came up with about Jason Bourne, but I also like what research has to say. <laughs> How dare you?
2: Well, let's talk about this, though. I do. Listen, there was a period of my life where I I bounced in a bar as kind mm. of a a recreational weekend activity.
3: <laughs> wow.
2: Like I had you to know, have a couple beers on the job, hang out with people I knew, and I bounced in a bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do think that us watching movies and consuming action movies, it must have an effect on our male citizenry because there was lots of times where a guy thought it was going to go down a different way than it eventually went down, Mm -hmm. where a guy thought he was was, uh, going to be some kind of a superhero and then got put to sleep very quickly. Or just knock the fuck out. And not by me. I mean witnessing things go down. Yeah. And. uh,
3: So are you talking about like tough guy fighting dynamics, alpha male? No, no.
2: I'm talking about a guy who has likely never been in a fight, but has seen all kinds of shit on TV. Oh, okay.
3: Okay. And then
2: he puts his dukes up, so to speak. Yeah. Thinking (laughs) that he's going to get ready and. Ring somebody's bell. Yeah. And then he gets knocked the fuck out because he has no skills. Yeah. But in his mind, oh, it it looks easy. I could do that. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that's the same thing we're talking about here where people see a lot of action movies. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody's John McClane.
3: Yeah, I mean, I knew this one girl one time, and she saw a Fast and the Furious movie. Wow. And at the time... This, this
2: already is not credible. This <laughs> is you. At the time... This is you. At the time,
3: she had an 88 Honda prelude that her brother had... Uh...
2: <laughs> you know lots of very intricate details about this girl's life.
3: Yeah, her brother had like put a spoiler on it and like wow. made it really loud, and so she saw this movie, and then she like sped out of the theater and was like, and trying to drift, yeah, Um, it was not me. I just, I heard this story somewhere. Mm. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) what I'm saying is people are influenced by their experiences too, but also by stories they hear and movies they watch and it can inflate their thinking of of what their abilities actually are. Can it cause them to overestimate their abilities? Oh yeah.
2: And I'm not even talking about... (laughs) There's, I, I, I'm sure it's not my saying, but it's, it's something I say, you say it even, that this person is acting very distinctly like a person who's never been punched in their face before. Yeah. Who's never actually faced real violence because they're they're acting a fool.
3: Yeah, but, but what Ben is talking about...
2: I'm, am I going off the rails? Yeah. Okay.
3: Is even police officers...
2: Well trained, highly trained, intensely.
3: Yeah, trained. Who, who are trained to do this for a living, and not
2: like trained and then oh, I'm a cop now and I never have to worry about it again. It's consistent training. Yeah, constant training.
3: Yes, you wear a weapon on you, yeah, you every li- day.
2: You live this life. Yeah, even them have a marked decrease in skills.
3: Well, because that stress is going to affect you. Yeah. And even if you have the training, apparently, the stress is going to affect you. Right.
2: So what's it going to do to somebody who's just a ding dong
3: or a
2: good guy with your average good guy with a gun? I'm doing air quotes, everybody's.
3: Well, you never know. They might have come up against a pretty tough bird and <laughs> they know how to. <laughs> a
2: little rest of development for you. So anyway, that we can dispense with that bullshit. That's not the way it is.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: Can yeah. we also talk about some of the... Should we get to emails or talk about some of the reactions that I've seen?
3: The reactions to what?
2: Like the Dana... Well, we're already here. So Dana Lash.
1: Mm-hmm. That
2: woman who's the... The, the poor, NRA. The poor man's Demi Moore. Would you let me get my joke out? Sorry. I'm describing who she is. Let me describe who she is.
3: I thought you were going to provide factual information.
2: The woman who works for the NRA, NRA TV. Yeah. I've done parody video, a parody video of her on YouTube.
3: She looks nothing like Demi Moore. That's
2: why I said she's a poor man's Demi Moore. Yeah, but.
3: Doesn't that indicate that she looks somewhat like Demi she Moore? She does look similarly. She does not look similarly to she Demi Moore. She most
2: certainly does.
3: You are high as a kite. She does not look like Demi Moore at all.
2: All right. Well, let's go to the audience and see what let's, they have let's to say. Let's
3: do. Let's go to she the audience. She tweeted.
2: Let's get back on track here.
3: I wish we could pull them right now.
2: Arguing about the important stuff. She mm-hmm. She tweeted. The the tweet that Brittany's getting ready to read as she scrambles for the photo that I sent her during pre-production of the show. Got it right here. Here we go.
3: (laughs) Right after we ban Pools. No, no. You
2: got to read the tweet that she's responding to.
3: I know how to work Twitter.
2: All right. Yep.
3: She's responding to a
2: tweet. (laughs) 80-year-old man.
3: (laughs) How Um, does this work? Dan Diamond tweeted, Inbox The American College of Physicians says gun violence is a public health issue, calls for ban on automatic and semi-automatic weapons. She retweeted it and said, right after we ban pools, cars, cigarettes, alcohol, hands, feet, and fists, lives lost due to these constitute an epidemic.
2: See, she thinks we're not living in a movie. She thinks we're living in a comic book where a guy with super stretchy arms is going to have his arm stretch out a quarter of a mile Mm -hmm. and 300 feet in descent in elevation and start punching people who are attending a concert. She thinks that a pool is going to murder upwards of a thousand people from that distance. It is a ridiculous argument, and she did this the day of the shooting. When we woke up the next morning, she was tweeting ridiculous shit like this. Mm-hmm. Then there is S.E. Cup, who is a CNN, I guess she has a show on HLN now. And Jimmy Kimmel is from Las Vegas, and he did a very touching tribute because Jimmy Kimmel, I think, is a beautiful man. Um, he's, a, he's like me, he's a boob, he cries. And he talked about this, and it was very heartfelt. And he talked about the, the need for measures to prevent these types of occurrences from happening. Mediaite tweeted Kimmel shames critics for dismissing gun control. Quote, In your heart, you know you bear some responsibility unquote. And then there's a link to the video. And she retweeted this and said, wherein Jimmy Kimmel totally abandons the moral high ground he'd recently achieved. This is gross. In what fucking world does a man go before national TV and cry his heart out for the massacre that just occurred in his city and you think it's gross, S.E. Cup? In what world does someone take a stand against a massacre of human beings and the loss of human life and you think that's taken the moral high ground or abandoning the moral high ground?
3: Well, I'm sure she's been struggling to watch the TV because if this is gross to her, (laughs) I can only imagine what it's like for her to watch uh, clips of Donald Trump talking and saying the things that he says yeah. in response to horrible tragedies. So
2: My advice to S.E. would be do not listen to episode 343. You will be puking your guts it's out. super gross. Because there's a lot of opposition to mass murder on that show. Which you find gross. You think that's abandoning the moral high ground when we, we take a stand. Not even a bold stand against mass murder.
3: Well, I also, I wonder if she's thinking that the emotionality was disingenuous and maybe that's what she's saying, but I don't see how anyone could come away from watching Jimmy Kimmel and think that.
2: And you're someone who's suspect of that.
3: Yeah, I'm very suspect of that.
2: We saw an actress or I think it was a clip of... uh, scarlett johansson on... i don't
3: trust any actress or actor who is crying
2: we were watching a clip of scarlett johansson on that this is your life or whatever that show is that family tree show
3: mm-hmm. finding your roots
2: and she started crying when when she found out whatever and you said that
3: yeah ah, you can't
2: trust them you just don't know if it's real
3: yeah. yeah, that's that's a valid point. I mean, it was but Jimmy pr- it Kimmel's was, not
2: that He's it not was, some Oscar winner.
3: It was probably real. People are going to go watch the preview now and think I'm a dick no, because you were
2: making a joke,
3: but I just have a hard time when, you know, they're going up to give their acceptance speech and they're acting really surprised and dramatic. and That's what they do. Right. You can't trust them. Right,
2: right. But J- that's not Jimmy Kimmel.
3: No, that's no. He
2: he's the real deal. I think so. Yeah. So I was just very disappointed this week or the last over the last couple days with some of the the responses. Um, Here's another. Still around. Pat Robertson. He had some thoughts, too, about uh, placing some blame about violence in the streets. This is in the wake of the Vegas shooting. So it was directly related to his reasons why. We're having events like this take place.
6: Violence in the streets, ladies and gentlemen. Why is it happening? You know, what I'd like to give you is the fact that we have disrespect for authority. There is profound disrespect of our president all across this nation. They say terrible things about him. It's in the news. It's in other places. There's disrespect now for our national anthem, disrespect for our veterans, disrespect for the institutions of our government, disrespect for the the court system, all the way up and down the line, disrespect. And when you lose that kind of respect, you lose this authority. But more than anything, until there is biblical authority, there has to be some controlling authority in our society, and there is none. And when the there is no vision of God, the people say, there's no vision of God, the people run amok. When there's no vision of God, the people run amok. And the, we, we have taken from the American people the vision of God, the whole idea of reward and punishment, an ultimate uh, judge of all our actions. We've taken that away. And when there is no vision of God, the people run amok.
2: Is he out of his mind? Has he heard Donald Trump talk that he has the shriveled old man balls enough to say that they're saying terrible things about the president? They disrespect the court system. Donald Trump said that Judge Curiel couldn't do his job as a federal judge. Because he's a Mexican. He's an American. But that is what Donald Trump said.
3: Well, Pat Robertson is just like a conspiracy theorist who is trying to explain what's happening in the world. Yeah. And jumping to crazy conclusions to (laughs) to offer some sort of explanation to the people watching his show. When he
2: dies... We're going to do a Pat Robertson retrospective.
3: You know, I have a question for you yeah. about that. When he dies, who is going to take his place? Does he have someone who's going to take Jones. over? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, does he have a kid who is ready to be Pat Robertson Jr.? I don't know. And
2: I don't know. He, he, I think his kids got AIDS from a guy who pricked him with a ring and gave him the stuff. Yep, that's a reference to something Pat Robertson has said. That is
3: a reference to something Pat Robertson has said. Yeah, so don't.
2: That is not me. Don't
3: send us emails. <laughs> do not call. No tweets.
2: Or 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 do whatever. Anyway, look, there's been this weird response from these conservatives who who were trying to make the case. I mean, Tommy Lahren's been out there. It's just been fucking weird.
3: It's very weird. Kind of
2: expected. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know. Again, I'm still, I don't have the words.
3: Well, even Tommy Lahren said something conspiratorial on her. Yeah, she did. On her Twitter.
2: This isn't making sense. The mainstream What is the mainstream media hiding? She
3: works at Fox News. You
2: work for the most popular cable news channel, maybe on the fucking planet, you idiot. Why don't you have your compatriots look into it with the deep-pocketed resources of Fox broadcasting. <laughs> she's shameless. And here, here's the deal she's she, she she says things with impunity because she has an audience that's not going to call, hold her feet to the fire. Because they're even bigger morons than she is. What does that mean?
3: Ask Rex Tillerson. <laughs> So we have an email. All right. From Wayne.
2: Wayne!
3: Just listened to the latest episode of the show, and I found it a tough listen. Reason being, I've been researching for a book that I one day hope to get published on the media, and both of your reactions to the absolute horror that happened in Vegas confirmed some of my theories. This constant divide and rule game we are constantly playing means the likes of cunts like Alex Jones... (laughs)
2: Is this Wayne from the UK? Yeah. (laughs) He gets away with it because he's from the UK.
3: Alex Jones and such can profit from this all while compounding the divide and rule narrative. You guys, on the other hand, showed emotion for those that have been hurt or killed without questioning what group they belong to. Then your emotional response was to that of our leaders to prevent what happened this past weekend. So nobody is ever affected in this horrible way again. Bullets don't discriminate, people do. Until we realize that we are all fragile creatures spinning around the sun on this same piece of rock, and that borders are lines made by winners of wars, religions are control systems, race is a construct and means of control, we will never get that we are all fucking humans, and those who exploit these tragic events for profit are only propagating for the next one. Be excellent to each other for fuck's sake. Love the show. The stickers are the best part. Wow,
2: the stickers. Yeah. Wayne got his stickers.
3: We sent out a bunch of stickers this week. So uh, they kind of went out in uh, two different days. So some people got them already. They kind of went
2: out in two different days or they went out in two different days? I don't know
3: why I keep saying kind of. I think that's my new verbal crutch. (laughs) I have been doing that a lot and I've been catching it sometimes and thinking, yeah, that's not... It's not where kind of should have been. It
2: wasn't kind of. It was certainly. Yes. One hundred percent they went out on two Without different days. Without
3: a doubt, <laughs> they went out on two separate days. And
2: <laughs> Can I say something about Wayne's call? Yeah. Well, first of all, if you got your stickers, send us a goddamn email with with a picture where you're putting them.
3: Yeah, post it. To put the it, Facebook it on Twitter, page.
2: put it on the f- Facebook page, whatever. Yeah. We wanna see. Yeah. I wanna see. Help me out. Wow. We got a little little uh little puberty voice there Mm. oh let's see Mm. so the point i want to talk about though is that borders are in are make-believe constructs put there by winners of wars that is awesome and i don't know if i've been living under a rock and have never heard that turn of phrase before but i like that because that is what it is race is a construct all those little points he made are very true as always, Wayne, we love you. We appreciate your support of the show. We appreciate your your contribution here. Um, I agree. Things are upside down. Look, I, I've seen... This has been, over the course of the last couple of days, this has been one of those times where, you know, when something happens and everybody shares that same article and you're like, fuck, all right, already. I don't want to see this anymore. But I cannot get enough of that Onion article being shared. And the headline is like, uh, there's nothing that can be done to stop this, says the only country in the world where this type of thing still happens. And that's it. Between mass terror attacks in the Middle East and across Muslim-majority countries, we're the only country where this kind of shit happens. It can be eliminated. It can be dealt with. It can be legislated. That's the other moron, by the way. Matt Bevan, the governor of Kentucky, who said that we can't legislate evil.
3: You hear that, Alabama listeners? Did you hear the way that Jesse said Kentucky? Because <laughs> it's not just you. Did you hear the way that he said Kentucky?
2: Yeah, Kentucky.
3: That's some contempt right there.
2: That is a little bit of contempt. Yeah. And I love Kentucky. Yeah. I just hate that Bevin.
3: All right. I have another email to read.
2: Because you can legislate evil. Last time I checked, murder is illegal. Anyway.
3: Dear Jesse and Brittany, long-time supporter but first-time emailer, After the attacks on Las Vegas, we find ourselves once again discussing gun legislation, all the while our policymakers are sending thoughts and prayers over Twitter with one hand and taking money from the NRA with the other. We have this debate after every mass shooting. Damn, that is depressing to type. But in the end, it's nothing but a talking point until some pop star does something dumb and we as a country go on with our lives. I want this attack to be the turning point. I don't want my kids to grow up in a world where this is the reality, but deep down I know nothing will come of this, and the countdown clock will begin until the next needless attack. I'm all out of optimism here. Am I wrong? Do you think change can actually happen? Please tell me I'm wrong. Please tell me things can change. Love you guys and love the show. Thank you for being the voice of reason and sanity in these dark times. P.S. Brittany is usually the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part, but Jesse Bye. has his moments. Paul from Houston.
2: I would say this, Paul. If there is no hope, then what are we doing? Then why have the conversation? We ab there absolutely is hope. Um uh, Martin Luther King said that the the uh, the arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Progress takes a long time. There will be setbacks. Sometimes it'll feel like a, a one step forward, two steps back. But in progress, even slow progress, you do move forward. And it people there is actually, I believe a legitimate conversation being had within the country music community right now that will very well change hearts and minds. And we're talking about, you know, members of Donald Trump's base who are going to be exposed to people they look up to, exposed to people they respect, who are gradually changing their minds on this issue. So do not be down. Keep your chin up for the sake of your children. Things will get better. We will change. It may be slow and incremental, but change nonetheless. We love you. Thank you for the email. We appreciate it very much. To all of you, listen, we didn't get to all the emails. We had several. Some were a little long. Again, puberty voice. (laughs) Some were a little long, but um, we're going to post a few of them on the Facebook page with just maybe the first um, letter of the first name. So it's to take a, a little anonymity. Okay. You know what I mean? Ooh. What?
3: Well, we would read their name anyway, so. Oh,
2: okay. We'll just first name then. Yeah. We'll do first name. Because I don't want to have to email everybody back and we'll talk about it. We don't have to plan this while we're on the air.
3: Let's plan it right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Listen, before we talk about Patreon, I want to say this. Uh, We have our Michael Shermer event. That's what Brittany and I have just been calling it. The... The... um. Moral... Solving moral
3: dilemmas? How do we know what's right?
2: Oh, okay. Well, why can't I remember that? Why can I never remember that?
3: I don't know. But it will be Dr. Douglas Naverick, Dr. Ryan Nichols, and Dr. Michael Shermer at the event uh, talking about morality and how do we distinguish right from wrong. So... It is going to be a good time, and we hope you will join us. We also want to talk about our Thanksgiving episode. Yeah,
2: that's the other thing I have written down here. I know Very that Very good, Brittany Page. Uh,
3: Thank you. I Very know, good. All right, that's enough. It's always
2: interesting when I hear ladies talk about running routes, but go ahead.
3: <laughs> so um, we do a Thanksgiving episode every year, and this will be the 20th year that we do it. Family for the 20th year. <laughs> Well, I'm acting like it's some longstanding tradition. We've done it as long as we've done the show, which is, this will be the fourth year.
2: Yeah, and it's it's a family-friendly, family-friendly. Pro- profanity-free episode. Yeah,
3: no cussing. No that's what profanity news. means. All positive, <laughs>
2: all positive news.
3: Yeah, good news only. And no there's, sad.
2: there's a large segment of the show that's dedicated to your submissions of things You are thankful for. Yeah,
3: most of it is listener submissions. And if you haven't listened to these episodes, I suggest that you go back and listen to them because they are my favorite episodes. Uh, I always cry because people have sent in just amazing messages. Even when things are tough and it's difficult to find things to be thankful for because things are bleak, like very much like they are right now. Well,
2: maybe that is a signal to to redouble our efforts, to focus on that, which is we are thankful, yeah. whether it be your family or your kids or whatever. Start thinking about that, because as of right now, we are accepting submissions for the 2017 Thanksgiving episode of the show. Yes. Email voice memos from your smartphone, preferably, because that's a clearer audio, to I doubt it at dollamore.com or, of course, the voicemail line 657 464 7609.
3: And there are no guidelines except for no cussing because, again, it is a family friendly episode. So, whatever you want to call in and say, just what's in your heart, speak from the heart. Yeah, yeah.
2: And really, if you go to the website com and just search Thanksgiving, you'll be able to see the, the previous three episodes we've done. And uh, get a feel for what they are. I think I've even put two of them on on YouTube. Maybe I'll get off my dumb ass and put the other two up as well so you have something to reference. Anyway, thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Um, We love you. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com/slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Carrie. Carrie.
3: Thank you, Carrie.
2: Carrie, thank you.
3: Your contribution to the show has made our day, and we thank you very much for it.
2: We are moving along slowly. Sometimes with Patreon, it is a one step forward, two steps back.
3: Yeah, that happens. But we are, uh, I
2: think, steadily eventually going to be toward a a three-episode-a-week kind of show. And if you want to help us do that, again, dollamore.com slash Patreon and help us out. You could even make a one-time donation on PayPal, and those links are on on the webpage. Again... We love you guys and we appreciate you. And we really do feel, especially after episodes like last one, with all the great feedback we got, um it makes us feel great about what we're doing here. Kind of rekindles our fire. Stalemocracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So over the course of the last several episodes, I have talked about the cabinet secretaries and their disregard for taxpayer dollars, their disregard for their their past statements about being good stewards of the of the people's money, Tom pre Tom Price being chief among them. Well, he has resigned his office as Secretary of Health and Human Services because of all of his. Crew, the 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 ethics organization estimates one million dollars in private jet charters and military uh, travel when commercial jets were absolutely available and at his disposal. Kristen, I know you're just getting
7: more details here. I think some people are going to say, is Price a sacrificial lamb? in order to hope that it takes the heat off of these other uh, other notable uh, ethics probes that are going on? Or was price just that egregious?
0: I think it was both to some extent. I think the president wanted to send a very strong message. Uh, Chuck, but there's no doubt he was infuriated and every day there was another headline and so I think it was also the fact that he saw this as egregious behavior and against his uh, stated vow to drain the swamp as you pointed out uh, in your open now the White House saying that they're conducting a broader review so he may not be the only cabinet secretary to go but there's no doubt right now the president uh, wants to send a message uh, with this move and look the writing has been on the walls for days Chuck Uh, the president was asked uh, in the middle of the week if he was gonna fire Price. And he said, we'll see. Yesterday, he was pressed on whether he still had confidence in Price and he declined to answer. Behind the scenes, we were, of course, talking to our sources who said, one of my sources said, he's a goner. And that was midweek. So it seemed as though it was moving in this direction uh, and that the president wanted to let the process play out a little bit. But again, I think there was just this avalanche of negative headlines. One more point, and I think it's an important one, he saw Price as ineffective, and so that just didn't help his case, not only because he couldn't get health care passed, but remember, Chuck, he was really one of the first voices pushing the president to tackle health care first, which went against... The way the president wanted to proceed when he first took office and I'm told that he was still stewing about that to some extent so we're still getting the details of how this all went down but right before the president left for Bedminster he reiterated right. how frustrated he was and it seemed as though this was all but inevitable Chuck
7: and Crystal Walker we should remind folks if we recall during the cabinet process and the cabinet vetting process there were certain cabinet members that the president was focused on and there were certain ones that Vice President Pence was focused on Tom Price was a, was considered sort of in the Pence wing of that. So it's a good point there. I don't think the president was as personally invested in him as, say, a Steve Mnuchin uh, or perhaps a Ryan Zinke. Kristen Welker, thank you very much.
2: So that's where we go to next. One well, Tom Price is out, but uh, Steve Mnuchin is next.
3: I don't want to move on to him yet because I read this article in Politico, Dan Diamond and Rashana Pradhan.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: How We Found Tom Price's Private Jets. Oh. And they they break it all down. And it's a fascinating article. I recommend everyone go read it. It we'll, will be on
2: the Facebook page. Yeah, we'll
3: put it on the Facebook page and Twitter page. But they say they got a tip from someone, just in a casual conversation, um, a source that was working at the Health and Human Services, I believe, mm-hmm. and then they... Started following this, trying to make connections, trying to get people to trust them, finding out more information, but he wasn't making his schedule available. so it was kind of difficult to figure it out. yeah, and yeah. Uh, this see is where like he was traveling is so important, right. So there was not a lot of transparency. Then there started to be a little bit of transparency where they were kind of starting to tell people where he was going. So then they started traveling to airports, trying to find him. Wow, and see if they could spot him on the tarmac. And at one point, they they did. and he was traveling from Washington to Philadelphia.
2: That was the $17,760. No, no. That was the Nashville flight. This flight was uh, $15,000 or $20,000.
3: Well, the problem is you are not supposed to be taking private jets when you can fly. Commercial. Yes. And this was from Washington to Philadelphia, which is 125 miles.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a half hour flight.
3: And he was taking a, a private jet
2: for for over 10 grand.
3: Yeah, come on. I think
2: it was $15,000 that yeah, particular Yeah, but flight. even
3: then I think they weren't sure so they kept going to airports trying to trying to spot him and anyway, it's just fascinating to read this because Donald Trump's always attacking the media. And this is why he's always attacking the media because this is what they do. They're doing a
2: bang up job.
3: Important work that exposes this kind of corruption,
2: fraud, waste, and abuse. Yeah, and
3: this is why they're so vital.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Thank you for that. But now on to Steve Mnuchin, who is the Treasury Secretary. Who's he's the one who requested a government jet to take him and his fucking bride, Louise Linton, on their honeymoon. To Europe now the request was re- was rescinded um, because someone said, "Hey, look, this fucking looks bad dude." So he rescinded the the request, but he wanted it. He's the one who took the government jet to Fort Knox to watch the Eclipse. Now Fort o- Mo- Knox is in his purview as Treasury secretary. But we haven't had a a treasury secretary in years and years go visit Fort Knox to look at the gold. It was unnecessary. That was another trip. He took his wife. So let's listen to him talking, answering questions of Chuck Todd. And, And while you're listening to his voice, this is just me kind of being a dick, imagine His face and his in his in his mouth moving, but his his teeth not. He's one of those guys who talks like this. Oh. He seriously, he's like fucking Thurston Howell the third.
3: There's also um a lot of room between his teeth and his lips. (laughs) I'm not being critical, I'm just making an observation. No, yeah,
7: very
2: observant.
3: Yeah.
7: Was it appropriate that Tom Price um was fired? Uh, Again, I can't comment on he resigned. What I will say is appropriate is I think the American public deserve to know how their money is being spent and that it's being spent carefully. Do you regret making the requests you made for government aircraft, whether it was to go to Kentucky? I know there's an inspector general on that one um, or the request you made, which I know was ended up withdrawn uh, at the time. Do you regret doing that? Um, I I don't. And let me tell you why. First of all, all of our travel went through the same process as previous secretaries of the Treasury. Mm -hmm. Every single one of my trips was approved by the White House. And the only time I've ever used or would use a a private plane for government purposes if either there was a national security issue or we couldn't get somewhere. And and that's what this is about. So the Kentucky use of the plane was a mistake? No, I never said it was a mistake. It was approved by the White House, and there were reasons why we needed to use that plane that are
2: completely justifiable, and we look forward to the IJ report. That guy's a smug asshole. Unbelievable that this guy who's worth upwards of a half of a billion dollars has the temerity to take a, a, a private government jet to go view the eclipse, and then make up, oh, there's a national security because I have the treasury secretary. Ugh. Fucking idiot. I'm Look, I'm tired of this administration. I'm tired of it. I am sick and tired, and, and if you think I've been easy or, or too tough on Trump now, it's a bummer for you because fuck that guy.
3: Well, drain the swamp is what he said he would do, and he's doing that. Oh, yeah. so
2: Draining it right up.
3: As the reporters catch the fraud and (laughs) waste and abuse, they are draining the swamp.
2: As he makes excuses for, no, I'm not saying I regret it. No, that was approved. I had every right to do that. Well, his wife is hashtagging on Instagram, Hermé and Louis Vuitton, and all of the fucking fancy-ass bullshit fashion brands.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's just tone-deaf, cunty bullshit.
3: <laughs> there it is. So Again, here we this are time now. not from the Wayne email.
2: <laughs> so here we are. Here we are back on uh, Puerto Rico. Trump, who lashed out at the San Juan mayor and uh, has dragged his feet on helping them. It is unbelievable that it is the donald trump show everywhere he goes if you don't heap and laud praise upon him because he's a fucking five-year-old who needs to be coddled then you don't get the money that you so rightly deserve as an american territory who was devastated by the most powerful hurricane the world has ever known it is disgusting
8: This busy port is a critical lifeline for moving supplies in and out of Puerto Rico. But today, we saw little heading out.
1: Obviously, I I imagine it's not a lack of trucker situation. It's a lack of the business that started, so they can send their truckers to pick up the cargo.
8: The latest word from FEMA, 755 containers left the port yesterday. Some 2.5 million liters of water and 2 million meals already delivered. The supplies heading to 11 regional distribution centers. But today in San Juan, long lines of people waiting for hours. You take what you can get. Shop aisles lined with empty shelves, no frozen items, no milk, no ice, and dry goods like beans and rice being rationed. 16-year-old Gabriel Aguado and his mom drove 90 minutes to buy one bag of
1: food. We got cereal, uh, bread, and some things to make tacos because it's the only thing we can like do right now to eat
8: all transactions across the island cash only banks have limit on cash withdrawals many atms out of service with some wondering if the economy can bounce back from these desperate times
7: whatever cash was already available is what's being used
2: and those who have bank accounts will go out and withdraw what they can
8: authorities say they've made headway FEMA data shows a third of Puerto Ricans have working cell phones again. Water supply to about 600,000 people. The airport's receiving 35 flights today. Complicating the already tense situation, President Donald Trump taking aim at San Juan's mayor after her public plea. I am Don being polite. I am Don being politically correct. I am mad as hell. The president unleashing a flurry of 12 tweets on Puerto Rico today saying results of recovery efforts will speak much louder than complaints by San Juan Mayor. As for the mayor, do you feel that the president of the United States is personally attacking you? I don't care. He can attack me all he wants. You know, bring it on. I'm here. You know what? If it saves lives because it gets the message in the right place, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. On Monday, there are 284 pieces of equipment coming in on a barge for FEMA. Small trucks, generators, other equipment to help them get to some of the more remote parts of the island. Jose?
2: Tammy Leitner in San Juan, thank you.
3: Obviously, this clip is a little old, but what is... It's been in
2: the hopper, getting ready to be played. We had to push it because of the Las Vegas stuff.
3: Yeah, but you're you're still seeing this happening, where it's still a war of words between the mayor and and donald trump yeah and things did not get better because he went there no so she (laughs) i think she appeared during an interview after he uh had his visit that um she was wearing a shirt that said nasty Mm -hmm. on it yeah i don't know if you saw that
2: because he called her a nasty woman
3: wow i didn't know that he called her nasty
2: that's his go-to it's like he did with uh, Hillary Clinton.
3: Did he tweet that or did he say that to her while he was there?
2: No, no. It was a tweet.
3: Oh. Yeah. I well, know. of course. Of course he didn't say that to her while.
2: Yeah. He's, he's he conflict there. diverse. Yeah. Because he's also a fucking coward.
3: It's much easier for him to run his mouth behind the phone yeah. at the White House than it is to say something face to face. And by fact, phone,
2: you mean Twitter.
3: Yeah. <laughs> In fact, when they met... When they first met, when he made his trip to Puerto Rico. Did
2: you see the body language?
3: I didn't see the body language. Mm,
2: He's very distant, like stretching out to shake her hand. Mm. Yeah.
3: Where did you get this body language evaluation without uh, the O'Reilly factor being on these days? I called Bill. Oh, okay.
2: I mean, I had to wait for him to quit jerking off.
3: Yeah. Oh.
2: Any opportunity I can. Yeah. I I break it out. Perfect. Bill! Stop that. (sighs) Put that shriveled tiny micro penis oh, away.
3: Oh, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, anyway, here, l- l- let's I move remember on. I don't know where I was going.
2: Let- let's move on.
3: Because of all the sounds.
2: Donald Trump, before his visit, made a couple speeches. And listen, th- this is one of the reasons why I'm fucking. Not like I wasn't done before, but I'm just done with any pretense of respect. Donald Trump is a fucking moron. And maybe I'll cool down after Vegas is a little bit in the river mirror and after Puerto Rico is a little bit in the rear mirror. But listen to him, and I'm sure you've heard this clip of him t- explaining why, again, trying to reiterate, well, we don't have roads to Puerto Rico. There's no way to get there. It's on an island.
9: All appropriate departments of our government from Homeland Security to Defense are engaged fully in the disaster and the response and and recovery Uh. effort probably has never been seen for something like this. This is an island surrounded by water, big water, ocean water. Uh. We're closely coordinated with the territorial and local governments, which are totally and unfortunately unable to handle this catastrophic crisis on their own, just totally unable to. The police and truck drivers are very substantially gone. They're taking care of their families and largely unable to get involved, largely unable to help. Therefore, we're forced to bring in truck drivers, security, and many, many other personnel by the thousands And we're bringing them onto the island as we speak. We've never seen a situation like this.
2: It's almost as if every single thing that happens, Donald Trump wants to act like, look, no one's ever had to deal with a problem like this. I'm the very first president in the history of our 241-year-old republic who's ever had to deal with something like this. This is record-breaking. And then dispenses with all kinds of quote-unquote fake news and lies they're unable to help they need the federal government because in earlier tweets he said that effectively they were too lazy they want it all done for them they don't want to do it themselves well did the federal government not have a presence in in texas did fema and the federal government not show up in force in florida Or is it just the brown people in Puerto Rico who are expected to fend for them fucking selves, Donald Trump? The truck drivers, they've all left. There's no truck drivers. We've had to bring federal people in to even drive the trucks and provide security. All a lie. He's making excuses for the fact that it took him two weeks to show up in Puerto Rico.
3: It, everyone else is making excuses for him too. I mean, um, Trump supporters that yeah. I've been seeing. And it's interesting because it's almost like teaching my grandfather to my godfather to use the iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't understand how technology works. You know, I mean, he's talking about raining hellfire yes. on North Korea, but that's across some water. It's far it's away. On the other
2: side of the planet.
3: And how how are we going to do that? It's really complicated. No way to
2: do it. Yeah, it's impossible.
3: We drop bombs on countries far away and like in certain locations. It's how does that happen? That that's how do not we right.
2: resupply our troops in Iraq and Afghanistan? How does that happen? I mean, it's just Logistically, it's impossible Yeah, Brittany.
3: I mean, it's We
2: bring in the lady from Bewitched and she wrinkles her <laughs> nose and all of a sudden there's a the pallet of MREs there.
3: That's the way that it works. Yeah.
2: Uh, but listen, again, with the water the water, ocean water, big water. Cuz this, this is an island
9: surrounded by water, water big water, water, ocean water.
3: Oh.
2: <laughs> As opposed to lava. It's a big <laughs> island surrounded by razor blades and lava. <laughs> I don't know how to get there.
3: Listen, there's a moat and we have right. to get through. There's we have to pass the moat.
2: Fierce gators with laser lasers and <laughs> razor blades for teeth. Uh, sorry, Puerto Rico, you're on your own. Yeah. So he actually did show up.
3: How did he get there?
2: I don't know. I think they had a razor blade proof boat.
3: Yeah, that's amazing.
2: With like uh, shockwave sensors that's like disabled the uh, the, the, the crocodiles. Yeah. And it, it could float on lava.
3: Well, he must have some sort of special hoverboard that he was able to use <laughs> yeah. once he was on the ground. He's because... got those Back
2: to the Future shoes. Yeah. the little hoverboard thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
3: impossible to travel once you're there. So yeah. he had to get around by flying.
2: And while there again, listen, I, I'm not, uh, I don't see any, any other way to look at this other than through a racial lens. That why is he treating them with so much disdain? Florida, he won the electoral votes in Florida, so they're his kind of people. Same thing for Texas. Mm. They don't vote for president, so they're not really his constituency, although they do vote in the primary. Uh listen to what he says here. It is alarming that he is telling them that well if you look at a real catastrophe like Katrina wow you guys had it easy because they had a big death toll in a real catastrophe.
9: Now, I hate to tell you Puerto Rico but you've thrown our budget a little out of whack because we've spent a lot of money on Puerto Rico and that's fine. We've saved a lot of lives. If you look at the, uh, every death is a horror, but if you look at a real catastrophe like Katrina and you look at the tremendous hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that died and you look at what happened here with really a storm that was just totally overpowering. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. Now, what is, your, what is your death count as of this moment? 17?
4: 16 certified.
9: 16 people certified. 16 people versus in the thousands. That's prick shit, bruh. That's
2: prick shit. That is absolutely fucking prick shit, bruh. That is unbelievable. Yeah, you look at a real catastrophe like Katrina with hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people. What's your death count? 16, 17, meh, that's pussy shit. That's nothing. On the mainland, we have the big storms. Yeah, it's crazy. Fuck this guy. It is unbelievably callous to sit there and tell Puerto Rico, you're throwing our whole budget out of whack, Puerto Rico. As though they dialed up hurricane request on Uber Eats and like, hey, can we get a hurricane here to fuck up our whole world? to decimate our entire home.
3: Well, think about what he's really saying there. He's saying it costs a lot of money to take care of you guys right, right now. So I just want you to be aware of that. It's it's like if you were struggling and a family member decided to help you out and let's say they took you in for a little bit because you couldn't pay your rent or something, you lost your house. And on the day that you arrived, they said, yeah, I just want to let you know that... Uh, this is really putting me out, but uh, you're, you're welcome here. That I is mean, exactly what he's doing. Yeah, and it's, I think he meant it as maybe a joke, maybe, because Melania was like smiling. No, no, and- no.
2: Th- th- I wrote that down, nervous laughter. Everybody laughs to take the pressure off what a dick move it is. His face doesn't change. There's not even a, a an upturn of a lip. He's not being jokey. Yeah, everybody smiles because they feel very weird about what he's saying. Don't
3: send me emails. I'm not trying to give him a pass. I'm saying in his dumb brain, he might be thinking, I'm going to like do a little ha-ha here or something.
2: Let me go back to your example. I think a more apt example would be if, (laughs) if, if... No, no, it's along the same line, but to make it more egregious, it's if parents weekly were telling their kids... What a burden they are. Look, hey, look, oh, you need braces? That's really fucking up our budget, man.
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, oh you, you need your appendix taken out? God damn it. You know what? We had a budget. We were going to go to Hawaii, but now we can't because you have to have your appendix out.
3: We're going to get a second opinion. It's
2: like a child, someone who you are responsible for because they belong to you. Puerto Rico is us. It is America. So, again, fuck this guy. Fuck him. I am tired. And, again, it is probably heightened emotions because of everything else.
3: I love when um, people say to us that um, we're really fair and balanced.
2: (laughs) That we're objective.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) They really look at the news from a non-biased standpoint. Yeah,
3: that's (laughs) – we appreciate that.
2: Yeah, that's pretty good. So, anyway, I mean, that's bullshit, but – so I, we're going to talk about North Korea. John Kasich's talking about leaving the party, but let's get to Moron Gate since we're here. Since it's not just me who thinks Donald Trump is a goddamn moron. This morning reports came out, or yesterday reports came out, that Rex Tillerson in July was somewhere in the Pentagon calling Donald Trump a moron. Well. It caused such a stir that he came out today and made a statement because part of the claim also in the reporting was that he had threatened to quit and was talked out of it. He was begged by the vice president to not leave. And uh, he came out today in his statement, his prepared remarks, and he denied the quitting thing, but kind of curiously uh, didn't deny, didn't have anything to say. Other than, well, I'm not going to talk about that, about the moron statement.
10: To address a few specifics that have been erroneously reported this morning. The Vice President has never had to persuade me to remain as Secretary of State because I have never considered leaving this post. I value the friendship and the counsel of the Vice President, and I admire his leadership within President Trump's administration to address. The many important agendas of President Trump, both from a foreign policy perspective and a dip- diplomatic – uh, I'm sorry, a domestic objective. Let me tell you what I've learned about this President, whom I did not know before taking this office. He loves his country. He puts Americans and America first. He's smart. He demands results wherever he goes, and he holds those around <laughs> –
2: I have to stop it. Did you hear that? Let me tell you a few things that I've learned about the president that I I didn't know him before, but I've learned these things about this president of the United States. Go ahead.
3: How many people are going to do this to themselves? And why are they doing this to themselves? Continuing.
2: This guy's a multimillionaire. He was was the CEO of ExxonMobil.
3: He doesn't need to do this. Right. Why is he doing this? I don't know. He doesn't live in North Korea. He can say no.
2: Well, what does he have to gain? That's the question.
3: Yeah, I guess I'm not asking myself that question. I'm just thinking, what is it that that he feels like he's going to lose if he walks away from this? Because... This reminds me of all of them sitting around Donald Trump and praising him and thanking him for the honor of being in his presence.
2: They thank God for the ability to serve him and his agenda is what Reince Priebus said.
3: And I, I just find this so strange. Did did this kind of stuff happen? In no. The...
2: Nope. Previous administrations. Yeah. No. Even like the, the, the Puerto Rico meeting. It was a fucking circle jerk of how great we are, how wonderful we're doing. We're just getting everything done. Taking care of biz, everybody. Good times. No. That's not the way it works. There might be a briefing about what we need to accomplish, what we've accomplished so far, but it's not our wonderful Secretary of State. It's none of that. That's not the way it works. This is an ego thing for Donald Trump. Anyway... Did you hear what Rex Tillerson said here? Let me tell you some things I've learned about the president. Because, you know, I didn't know Donald Trump before. But these are some things I've learned about the president of the United States.
10: Let me tell you what I've learned about this president, whom I did not know before taking this office. He loves his country. He puts Americans and America first. He's smart. (laughs)
2: Is that breaking news that a president of the United States loves his country and is a smart
3: guy? Please tell me that when the clip comes back, right after smart, he's going to say, hashtag not a moron. (laughs) That's what's coming next, right?
2: It's certainly not going to be hashtag science.
10: ...found him accountable for whether they've done the job he's asked them to do. Accountability is one of the bedrock values the president and I share. While I'm new to Washington, I have learned that there are some who try to sow dissension to advance their own agenda by tearing others apart in an effort to undermine President Trump's own agenda. I do not, and I will not operate that way, (laughs) and the same applies to everyone on my team here at the State Department. Mm. When I wake up in the morning, my first thoughts are about the safety of our citizens at home and abroad. There's no more important responsibility I carry with me than ensuring that Americans are safe. Providing for the security of the United States must be the number one goal of our American foreign policy. President Trump and his administration will keep moving forward as one team with one mission, doing great things for the United States of America to make America great again. Thank you.
2: The first thing I do when I wake up in the the morning is one, uh, sometimes I think about the people of America and if they're safe at home and abroad. And then I break out my Russian friendship medal that Vladimir Putin gave me, and I give it a nice spit shine. Because I like it to be fresh and really shiny. Because that's a a deep honor. Yeah. And then I check my counts. Because I'm a big, fat, rich guy. I,
3: I... We're definitely not overdoing it on the impressions on this episode.
8: Yeah, I'm,
5: from Texas.
2: I'm from Texas,
3: y'all. So, Rex Taylorson. So, someone said that they thought that was a part of the music.
2: What the the whistle, the yeehaw? Yeah,
3: but no, you just do that live yeah, yeehaw. while you're playing it. <laughs> And they said they were surprised when they weren't hearing it anymore because they thought it was a part of the music. Oh,
2: that's that's Jesse D. Everybody, that's you
3: performing live.
2: In addition to bouncing in in a bar one time, Brittany, I was also on a cattle drive.
3: Oh, <laughs> no. that explains it. So, so
2: after he gave his his prepared remarks, of course, reporters are going to ask some questions. And the first question was, "Hey, uh." So did you call him a moron? <laughs> and he he kind of dodged it by saying, well, no, I just I didn't address it because I'm addressing what's most important. And I thought, blah, 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 blah. And then there was another question. And then he couldn't avoid it because it got asked, of course, a second time. Did you address the, the main headline of
7: this story that you called the president a moron? And if not, where do you think these? <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm going not
10: going to deal with petty stuff like that. I mean, this is this is what I don't understand about Washington. Again, you know, I'm not from this place, but the places I come from, we don't deal with that kind of petty nonsense. And it is intended to know nothing but divide people. And I'm just not going to be part of this effort to divide this administration.
3: You mm-hmm.
2: definitely called him a fucking moron. Yeah. A hundred percent chance he called Trump a moron.
3: This is NBC News that reported this. Yes. And Donald Trump has been going off about this. He is so angry.
2: Well, he dispatched Tillerson to do this. Why would he have of this? Of course he if did. If you don't deal with this petty nonsense, then why the fuck did you hold a press conference in the first place? Dickface. Russian Medal of Freedom or Friendship.
3: But Donald Trump is tweeting about NBC News saying that they're... Just as bad as CNN at Oh, this point. no. Wow. Yeah. So it's pretty serious. That's
2: real bad. The
3: beef is serious.
2: <laughs> anyway. That's prick shit. Bro. That is fucking prick, prick, prick shit, bro. Shit. I don't... Uh, hopefully next episode we get back on track with my, my angsty anger. Mm-hmm. My loose use of invectives. You know. It's, uh, it's, it's getting on my nerves. I'm sure the audience is not, is not, uh, not happy with it. So let's, let's wrap up this long show. I've got, got a long couple days ahead of me. To m- the reason we're doing the show on Wednesday night not waiting for headlines in the morning is because i got to spend two days up at YouTube Studios in L.A. and uh, we needed to get all this done. So let's wrap. Let's wrap this sucker up. What do you say, Brittany Page?
3: Let's do it. Yeah, yeah.
10: It's the asshole of today.
3: Dan Blazarian.
2: Dan Blazarian.
3: Now, I don't really follow this individual. Cockport. But some people do. He's He is called the most followed man on Instagram or something. I don't know if that's true.
2: He's a moron. He.
3: He's is, a tough guy douchebag. Okay, so let me... Oh,
2: it's you, your I think that
3: maybe you need to pop a loot at this point. Pop a loot. Yeah.
2: Where's Bill Cosby when you need
3: him? <laughs> uh, okay. So.
2: No, no, we I'm, don't. We don't answer that.
3: <laughs> I I want to be very clear here because I'm going to talk about Dan Blazarian being the asshole I think of it's today.
2: Blazarian. Okay. I don't care. Whatever. I don't either. Yeah. I don't either.
3: Um, I'm going to talk about him being the asshole of today, but I want to be very clear about why he's the asshole of today. So, first, I want to explain what he is and who he who he is
2: or who he purports to be
3: on Instagram. He is known for taking a lot of pictures of himself with guns and women. Now, a lot of the women are naked, yeah, or wearing very little clothing, and he
2: wants to portray an image of total machismo, tough guy. Rifles, weapons, machine guns, naked ladies, and also very wealthy.
3: Yeah, so he has a lot of money, and he was uh, raised a rich kid, so he comes from money. And he takes pictures of his guns and writes captions like... Um, oh, my biggest fear is if someone breaks in and I won't know which gun to choose to kill them with. Because I have so many. Yeah, and so so he's someone who parades around with the guns and acts like a tough guy. He's pretty buff.
2: It's because he's a vain fuck who works out constantly.
3: Okay, so he's pretty buff. And he was at the Las Vegas, the concert in Las Vegas. That is right. And he took a video of himself. He was running away, and he was out of breath, and I think we have that video. Holy fuck, this
11: girl just got shot in the fucking head. It's so fucking crazy.
2: Running away in the video. Running away. Not like a jog. He's running away while still taking the time to take video of himself. Saying what
11: he said. Holy fuck. This girl just got shot in the fucking head. It's so fucking crazy.
3: So after this, he ended up um, posting again and saying that he was leaving. He was uh, leaving the area. Now, I'm not criticizing him for running away or for leaving the area. Either am I. That's not at all my criticism because I am not one of those people who says, oh, if I was there, I would have done this. No. I think that it is difficult to make those arguments, to say, if I was in that situation, I would have done this. It's hard to know what you would do unless you have been in these situations.
2: They interviewed a guy right here from Irvine on CNN tonight, and they asked him, well, why why did you stay? And apparently he saved like more than 30 people. And he was like, he got shot in the neck. He, it's the picture of the guy in the, the the black kid in the in the yellow in the red shorts mm-hmm. that you see on TV, and he's like, "I have no idea. I, I can't answer that question. I don't know why I stayed, but I I just did." Mm-hmm. So that's, it's not a shame that only brave people stay because sometimes you don't know. You just react in the moment. Yeah, but that's not why we're. That that's not why he's asshole today for running.
3: No, I think the criticism here is the image that he portrays. And then how that didn't align with what happened here. That's right. And I think what makes me upset about this is that it's unhealthy for men to follow this person and admire this person and believe he is some sort of superhuman strength gun women. Or even a role model. Just the ideal man. Yeah. And... I don't think he should be rewarded for being who he is. No. And again, I'm not, I'm really trying to walk a fine line here because I really, I'm not being critical of the fact that he ran away.
2: This criticism started with Dakota Meyer, who does, look, he's not, I, I don't have a lot of respect for him for a lot of reasons because he's tied to the Palin, the Sarah Palin family. He has some association, whether he's the new husband or the old husband Or the old baby daddy or the new baby daddy of Bristol Palin. But he wrote, he blogged about how kind of the same criticisms that we have right now. Except he was a little bit more direct about running away. And I'm going to play Dan Bilzerian here on his Instagram. Shitting on Dakota Meyer, acting like he doesn't know who he is. Some Marine, he says. And I might have criticisms for Dakota Meyer, but he is a Medal of Honor recipient. You don't get the Medal of Honor for being a pussy. You don't get the Medal of Honor for being some weakling who's a coward. You don't happen to pawn the Medal of Honor. It is the Normally, the way you get the Medal of Honor is while you die in service to your country, and it's given posthumously. He is a surviving recipient of the Medal of Honor, and he blogged about Dan Bilzerian, And this was Dan Bilzerian's bullshit response, disrespectful response to Dakota Meyer.
11: So I wake up this morning and uh, the news is talking shit, saying, uh, I don't know, submarine saying that I was a pussy for running away um, and that I should have stood my ground when the guy's shooting at me with a machine gun um so i mean if we follow that retards logic we'd probably have you know 600 dead if everybody stood their ground instead of uh running for cover but anyways i just wanted to address it because uh you really i mean this news is just such a bunch of fucking bullshit these days they just they they print whatever is gonna you know get the most clicks and it's kind of sad because you guys really can't get you know the real deal anymore they wanted interviews i wouldn't give them to them so you know they publish you know some fucking guy's account Sitting behind a laptop, fucking typing, trying to get his five minutes of fame. Um, you know, he's there blogging about me while I'm fucking delivering eight thousand pounds of food and water in Vegas, and you know, going to hospitals. What the fuck is he doing? And just to be clear, the first fucking thing I did after we dropped those two girls off the hospital is I went and got my gun. I went straight fucking back there, and I was there for three fucking hours.
3: So a- after all of the controversy, he started claiming that he actually did help somebody, that he actually did this. So the story has been changing now, now that uh, it's been controversial. So
2: having his gun, did that help him out a lot?
3: So even though Dakota Meyer is leveling criticism and, and, and all that, I think that it's important to realize that there are actually just um, average people who, when the bullets started raining down they decided to help other people Yeah, and they didn't run away. And there's an interview that we're gonna play here with someone who I believe is a veteran and he helped people out, he helped them over a fence and then he kind of explains what happens next.
6: How did you get a truck? Um,
1: after the initial scare and frantic, um honestly I was terrified. You know, right. I can't defend myself with someone shooting at us with fully automatic weapons. Right had at, at no idea where it's coming from. No where too. it's coming from and um so we were terrified and we started running and I was telling people kick their heads down and just get to the fence, just get out of here. And uh, eventually got a bunch of people over the fence helping them and um Jen who was with me, she helped get people over the fence too and she had a broken back at the time mm-hmm. still. But um yeah, we just got over the fence, and our friend was still on the inside, and he told us to leave. He wanted to grab a few more friends, and it was hard to leave them, but we knew we had to keep moving. And um, I spotted the empty lot, or the dirt lot across the street, and uh, there's a lot of white work trucks, and typically festivals will have, you know, multiple employees sharing a truck, and right. it's not common for keys to be in one of them. Um, and I just kind of crossed my fingers and hoped that was the case, and uh, found one with them and.
0: It, once, it had keys in
1: it. It had keys in wow. it, and um, they were the keys to the vehicle. And once we uh, were in it, we decided to go help get everyone out of there, and uh, we started driving back towards uh, the venue. And so you were
7: basically just loading people into the back of the, yeah. the truck?
1: So the shots were still firing. Um, we had a couple friends that we know. Um, Casey was one of them. They helped set up a makeshift hospital, kind of on the side, on the backside, away from the gunfire. Mm -hmm. And they were pulling people out of the venue, and we pulled up to that, and they started loading us up with the most critically injured. And
2: And uh, at this point, were shots still going on?
1: They were still going at that time, the first uh, loading, and uh, it was still quite scary, but we just knew they had to get to the hospital immediately, and no ambulances were... Immediately available. They are staging. and uh, Ambulances
2: f- were staging, so they weren't already directly responding.
1: Correct. Not enough, anyway. There far too many casualties for any- anyone to really even handle. It was probably one of the hardest parts was leaving everyone behind that I couldn't fit in who were still critically injured. Right.
3: So this is someone who helped people over a fence, helped more people get out than just himself.
2: And went back.
3: Went to get a, a vehicle... That he could then take back, even though bullets were still raining down, to go get more people out. Yeah. And this is not a Las Vegas police officer. This is not a security guard working the event. This is someone who is attending the event, just like Dan. And he's not someone who has an Instagram with 22 million people or whatever it is following him where he's shooting guns with women in their bikinis um, acting like he's this badass MMA fighter
2: he's a faux tough guy is what he is and Dan Bilzerian not this other guy
3: and people admire him but what I'm saying is that this guy that was interviewed with Anderson Cooper he is worthy of more Instagram followers than this Dan guy okay yes <laughs> all of these people that you're hearing about that put themselves in danger to help other people for for nothing they for right. no they didn't they weren't going to get money for it they weren't going to get fame for it nothing
2: they did it to save their fellow man and women
3: they deserve more praise more notoriety than that jerk
2: off fucking rich kid who runs for his life while filming himself talking about the brains that got splattered of the girl sitting next to him, if you watch some of his other Instagram stuff. Truly the asshole of today. All right, well, we're going to leave it there. Before we go, though, listen, if you're on Facebook and you follow the Facebook page, our loyal listener in Arkansas, Todd, started a private Facebook group called Dolomore Listener Discussion Group. you can go and request to be a member there, and then it's actually just listeners where you can be in there and talk to and discuss things I guess from the show or they're even talking about stuff in there that it's not even show related so it's a it's a friendly a friendly group
3: and I wanted to say before we moved on that the veteran's name that you heard there talking to Anderson is named Taylor Winston.
2: Taylor Winston. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to end it there. We'll see you next week, you guys. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us twice a week or as often as you do. If you are ready to take the plunge and join our Patreon family, helping to support the show, helping to produce the show twice a week, and maybe three times a week, we would love to have you do so. Dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page, there's a link that says support the show there you can do patreon you can do paypal you can even link through to go buy some shit on on amazon.com and if it's not on amazon it's probably not anywhere you don't spend any anymore and if you're going to spend your money anyway on amazon that is an awesome way to support the show we will see you next time we love you for britney page i'm jesse dollamore and this is Ben. i doubt it
3: Hunts like Alex Jones.
2: Is this Wayne from the UK?
3: Yeah.